Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Our first lesson for this fourth Sunday in Lent is found recorded in the book of Isaiah, chapter 42, beginning at the 14th verse. I have been silent for a long time. I have kept still. I have restrained myself. But now, like a woman giving birth, I will scream. I will grasp and pant. I will dry up mountains and hills. I will make all their grass wither. I will turn rivers into islands. I will dry up pools. I will lead the blind on a way they do not know. Along paths they do not know, I will direct them. Ahead of them I will turn darkness into light and rough places into level ground. These are the things I will accomplish for them. I will not abandon them. They will be turned back and completely disgraced. Those who trust in an idol, those who say, to molten images, you are our gods. You deaf ones listen, you blind ones watch carefully so that you can see. Who is as blind as my servant? Who is as deaf as my messenger whom I sent? Who is as blind as my associate, as blind as the servant of the Lord? You, Israel, see many things, but you do not observe them. Israel opens his ears, but he does not hear. Because of his own righteousness, the Lord was pleased to make his law great and glorious. The word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 5, beginning at verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord, and do not participate in fruitless deeds of darkness. Instead, expose them. For it is shameful even to mention the things that are done by people in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes things visible. Therefore it is said, Awake, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of John, chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. These words serve as the basis for our sermon this morning. As Jesus was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that God's works might be revealed in connection with him. I must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and spread the mud on the man's eyes. Go, Jesus told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed, 
and came back seeing. They brought this man who had been blind to the Pharisees. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man told them. I washed and now I see. Then some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others were saying, How can a sinful man work such miraculous signs? There was division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you say about him because he opened your eyes? The man replied, He is a prophet. They answered him, You were entirely born in sinfulness, yet you presumed to teach us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. When he found him, he asked, Do you believe in the Son of God? Who is he, sir? The man replied, That I may believe in him. Jesus answered, You have seen him, and he is the very one who is speaking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he knelt down and worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into the world, in order that those who do not see will see, and those who do not see will become blind. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration, as I mentioned earlier, is from the Gospel of John, chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. Uh, instead of reading the whole thing at this time, I will certainly open with these words. Jesus said, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the other day, oh, it was about two weeks ago, I was doing a Bible class on the south end of town at a senior living place. And a lady that, I've met her a couple times, but she does not attend my Bible class, but she was walking down the hall as I was walking in, and she had a shirt that I had to chuckle. It said, if you don't want to hear sarcasm, don't ask me a question. And that really got to me. And I had to comment and tell her how silly it was. Because I remember that shirt as I was studying this text. Because if there were, you know, designer t-shirts at the time of Jesus where they had words on them, then this blind man should have had a shirt that said, if you don't want to hear the truth, don't ask me a question. Because the way that the Pharisees were treating him was very abusive as they interviewed and really interrogated him. All of this, by the way, took place in Jerusalem. Jesus was there and he and his disciples were walking by and here is a beggar and we're told that he was blind since birth. He was born blind. The disciples, as they see this man, Ask the question, who sinned? Was it this man or his parents? They automatically assumed that because the man was born blind, that there has to be sin involved. Well, in a general way, yes, we are by nature sinful human beings, but specifically, was it because the man sinned 
or his parents sinned, that the man was born blind. Well, even the Pharisees held to that belief. Later, they're going to call this blind man. They're going to say, you are holy and totally and completely sinful. I fear that that attitude is still prevalent today. That everything that happens in our life, it is bad. It's because God's out to punish us. And then you play this vicious mind game of every time something you think is happening that is bad, you start to wonder, well, what did I do? And then you'll even come up with things, maybe even more than one thing, that, yes, God is out to get me and punish me. But that's not the answer Jesus gave. It was neither this man. By the way, he would have had the sin in his mother's womb in order to be born blind. Therefore, why don't we just blame the parents for sure? But Jesus didn't. Neither one, he said, sinned, that that's why this man was born blind. But instead, this is the divine truth, that the works of God might be revealed in connection with him. And the disciples that were with Jesus are now going to witness what that's really going to mean. In a nutshell, Jesus already is explaining to them what it's going to mean, especially when he goes on to say, I must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So now is the time to work because Jesus is here. Jesus is going to suffer and die on the cross for the sins of the world. Jesus is going to ascend back into heaven with the promise that he is going to come back on the last day, judgment day. Now is the time to work. And while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Now when I hear the words light of the world, I always think of John chapter 1 where we hear of Jesus being called the light of the world. And being the light of the world means he pierces through that darkness. And what brings the darkness has to be everything connected with sin, the punishment of sin, which is death. Oh, the, the fear of ending up in hell and living under God's condemnation and wrath over sin, for God hates sin. But here we have that phrase, as long as I am in the world. I am the light of the world. He's not just talking about being the Savior who has conquered sin, death, and everlasting condemnation. But he is the Savior who is the light of the world, especially in the sense of the miracle he's going to perform. He's the light of the world who is going to perform the miracle of physical sight. But later we're going to hear the miracle of spiritual sight as the gift of faith is given to this man in his mind and heart. Jesus spit on the ground and from that he makes mud. He takes the mud and puts it on the man's eyes. Why would he do such a thing? Some believe that, that he would put mud in the guy's, in the gentleman's eyes because 
that was letting the man knew, know that he was going to perform an, a miracle on those eyes. But the man was not deaf. Jesus could have just said, I'm going to perform a miracle on your eyes and give you sight. In fact, this is very strange for us to hear that Jesus made mud and put it on his eyes. Usually when Jesus does a miracle, he just speaks the words like at the funeral of Lazarus. When he said, Lazarus, come out. Or maybe he even does the miracle from a distance, like he did with the centurion. And the centurion said, Lord, just say the word, and I know my servant will be healed. And the servant was at home, far away from Jesus. So why the mud in the eyes? I can't help but point to the fact that Jesus was making it clear to the man that this mud in the eyes was to emphasize the fact it was Jesus who performed the miracle. Now, Jesus didn't reveal his name to the man at this time. In fact, all Jesus told him was, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And that's exactly what the man did. The pool of Siloam was a water source, the main water source in Jerusalem. In fact, it just held the water that came from the spring of Gihon, and the spring of Gihon was actually outside of Jerusalem. This was inside the city walls, the Pool of Siloam. It was King Hezekiah who built a tunnel from the spring to this pool. And in fact, that tunnel is still there to this day. The man goes to that main water source, washes himself, comes out, and he can see. In fact, many of the people who actually knew him didn't even recognize him because he's walking around seeing. He wasn't acting like he usually acts. as no doubt stumbling around, trying to find his way around. He can now see. He had to actually tell people, no, it is I, the one who was born blind. He can see. The people, they ended up, some of them, taking him to the Pharisees really to a court session as they interrogated and interviewed the man to find out what is going on. And they would ask him, what happened? He said, well, a man put a mud on my eyes, told me to go to the pool, I washed, and now I see. But it was done on a Sabbath day. So immediately the Pharisees concluded that this was a sinful man, whoever this man was. But Jesus wasn't breaking the Sabbath law, which was actually their rabbinical law, in which they had adding to God's word. Because wouldn't keeping the Sabbath include helping someone? Isn't that the greatest act of worship? Loving the Lord by loving one another? Is that not giving glory to God? No, they insisted that, no, this has to be a sinful man. But then others are wondering, well, how can a sinful man do such a great miracle? They were divided. So they turned to the man for advice. These were the religious leaders. These were the know-it-alls. These were the people you came when you wanted a religious answer. And he's simply putting two and two together. He's a prophet. He's a man of God. 
He comes from God because he gave sight to my eyes. Thinking that this man must not have really been born blind, they call in his parents. When his parents came, they were terribly afraid of these Pharisees. They realized that they could easily be excommunicated and kicked out of the church. So they were very careful in what they said. They actually, in a nutshell, threw their son under the bus. For when they asked, was he born blind? Yes, they confessed that. When they asked, well, what has happened? They said, talk to him. He's old enough to talk for himself. And they got out of there quickly. So they bring the man in again. What is going on? Well, he put mud in his eyes. He explains it again and again. They keep asking him again and again. He went to the pool, and he now has sight. Finally, the man says this to him. And here's where a bit of sarcasm comes in. I've already told you, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciple too, do you? Oh, there was a great ruckus. They weren't going to take that from him. Oh, he was born a sinful man because he was born blind. And now he's going to teach us? There is absolutely no way. Because they're not his disciples, whoever the man is. No, they're disciples of Moses. And that means more than anything else. So they threw him out. Threw him out of the room? Yes. Threw him out of the building? No doubt. But really, they threw him out of the church. He was excommunicated right on the spot for simply telling the truth. You would have thought that the Pharisees would have been excited. The man can now see. What a beautiful and wonderful thing. But no. He was condemned for simply telling the truth and hated by his own religious leaders who should have cared and loved him. I am very suspicious, by the way, that the Pharisees had an idea of who was doing this. They've heard of miracles before, and all these miracles were coming from one man. Even think about giving sight to someone Putting mud in someone's eyes is not normal care plan. It's not a medical procedure that is performed, especially even today. I know very little about the eyes, but you don't hear much even about eye transplants or even how successful they are. This was a miracle that is simply doing the impossible. This is a divine act of God. But this miracle doesn't simply prove that he is a prophet or that he is just simply a godly man. No, this miracle, like all the miracles, there are signs that point to the fact of who Jesus really is. And that fact is, he is the Son of God. Just think, the very God who hates sin is the very God who paid for our sins. 
And he did this purely by his grace and mercy. We believe in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is the second person of the Holy Trinity who took on human flesh to be our Savior, to, to take our place. He took on that human flesh to pay that debt by living that perfect life and sacrificing himself on the cross. He suffered even the agony of hell itself in our behalf because the payment of sin is not a payment we can make and live, but he made it and rose again which is our assurance that sin has been paid in full. So as we walk this journey during this Lenten season, we do so realizing, yes, our Savior is going to the cross to suffer and die for the sins of the world, but the one who is going there is the Son of God. Or another way to put it, he is the light of the world. <laughs> who not only gives physical sight, but even gives spiritual sight. Even though the Pharisees kicked him out, Jesus did not. When Jesus heard that he had been thrown out, he goes up to the man, who, by the way, still didn't know him, and says to him, do you believe in the Son of God? Out of all the questions to ask, he asks that one. Now, some translated Son of Man, which is not a wrong translation either. Son of God is also a translation that can be used and used in our text. Emphasizing the very fact that this is the true Son of God, our Savior. So the man asks, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus replies, it's the one you see. It's the one you hear talking to you. Lord, I believe. Now this too is a miracle because we cannot overlook the words that the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians where he made very clear that no one can call Jesus as Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Confessing, Lord, I believe is not because this man was by nature good and, and had the power to say such words. It's because the Holy Spirit was working in his heart. And the Holy Spirit, as I've said over and over, doesn't work out of thin air. He works always through a means. That means is the means of grace. It is the gospel found in God's word and used in the sacraments of baptism and Lord's Supper. It is the Holy Spirit who calls us to faith and keeps us in that one true faith. But always through the gospel, the good news of Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit who testifies of Christ in our hearts and move this man to confess in such a beautiful way, Lord, I believe. He gave sight to a man's heart and mind because this man was called to faith in the one and the only one that is his Savior and our Savior too. Jesus sums up everything that happened in this episode with these words. For judgment I came into this world. And what does that mean? In order that those who do not see will see, and those who do not see will become blind. That first part, 
talking about that bland, blind man who could not see but now sees. But you can definitely understand those words in a spiritual sense. We're all born blind, cannot see, because we're all by nature sinful human beings. But because of the grace and mercy of our God, because of that gospel message through which the Holy Spirit works, we now see. And we see that Jesus is the light of the world. Those who do not see, clearly talking about the Pharisees, they will become blind because they hardened their heart in unbelief and rejected the truth that was before them. Jesus is the light of the world. My friends, when I take to heart these words before us, I do so always thinking that I'm going to continue to say over and over, like a broken record, for those that know what a record is, that hope is not wishful thinking. That's not how scripture uses it. Hope is guaranteed. Because the Son of God, the light of the world, paid for those sins in full. That's certain. That is ours. And it is ours through faith in Him. And even that faith is a gift of God for which we cannot thank God enough. And right now, we need to hear of hope. And especially what's going on, it seems like in the world around us, that things seem to be happening so fast, and, and you might even feel like things are out of control. Hearing last week that banks have gone belly up did, did not bring joy to my heart. And then you might be tempted to think too, is there hope in the government? Is there hope in the financial institutions? Is there, is there hope in anything? Yes, there is hope. That as we live in these end times, living each moment of every day, keep your eyes fixed and see what really matters. The sure hope that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. And why? Because he and he alone is the light of the world. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemevlutheran.org. May God bless you today and every day.